ऑल दो सुनने में क्वेश्चन काफी अजीब लग सकता है बट बहुत सीरियस क्वेश्चन है क्या उस टाइम के किसी कंटेम्प्रेरी लीडर ने या फिर किसी ने भी ऐसी बात कही थी कि वॉज देर एनी काइंड ऑफ स्टडी कि वॉज गांधी रियली मेंटली स्टेबल ऑन इज मेंटल स्टेबिलिटी आई हैव कम अक्रॉस इन माई रिसर्च ऑन गांधी बट या आई लार्जली ब्रॉडली कंकर नो बिकॉज यहाँ बैठे मेरे ख्याल से काफी लोग सोच रहे होंगे हाउ कैन सच आई मीन सच ए टॉल लीडर इग्नोर ऑल दीज थिंग्स ओनली आंसर कुड बी ही वॉज ही वॉज डेफ बाई हिज वन ईयर और ही वॉज मेंटली अनस्टेबल दैट कुड बी आर आंसर टू so yeah, could be a combination of all the reasons <laughs> <laughs> lot of muslims who butchered hindus in malabar were given pension in independent india both by upa uh, i mean the udf and the ldf governments in uh, kerala and they were called freedom fighters and the hindu taxpayers were actually funding pensions to these muslims who killed hindus yeah absolutely Uh, so uh, that's why this, that's why they have whitewashed it as malabar rebellion another point i wanted to add was that this uh, uh, during this uh, uh, you know the khalifat thing khilafat khilafat thing uh, so there was a big movement in north india as well to fight for turkey to fight uh, for turkey yeah and uh, i'm researching a book on the Christian territories under Ottoman Empire and how they fought back and how Hindus fought back Mughals and the similarities and dissimilarities. So, I came across this. More than twenty thousand Hindu uh, Muslims, Indian Muslims, went to Turkey, and we are talking nineteen eighteen, nineteen nineteen. The see, uh, getting twenty thousand people to move in those days over land route. Uh, you know, uh, Balochistan was. Yes. touching uh, india balochistan iran all these yeah iran that route or the uh, afghanistan route or uh, uh, some by ships as well 20000 is a large number and somehow that is again um, um, a whitewash there was a song that used to be sung hai qom ka agar tu to balkan chal balkan chal so balkans is where the yeah, war yeah. was uh, balkans were muslim uh, 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 i mean like you know former yugoslavia think uh, bosnia think uh, kosovo uh, that area uh, which were turkish territories and uh, the call was for indian muslims to go and fight on side of turkey uh, because it's a muslim country yeah, yeah. so you mentioned gandhi's uh, the resolution that gandhi piloted through the congress after the massacres mm. i mean i'm just surprised how could this pass unanimously without controversy i mean is there some Oh History yeah. Okay. This. So this there's a short yeah I forgot to uh, return to that point in my lecture. So the Congress uh, session in Ahmedabad in December 1921 <clears throat> was uh, preceded by another Congress session in the summer of the same year. Where and I write this in a in an article on Dharma Dispatch a couple of months back. so which basically appointed gandhi as the dictator of the congress party that nobody should henceforth nobody should question gandhi's decision in the congress party it was full final and binding and only gandhi himself had the authority to appoint a successor 
So you go to the Congress Party's website and look at the timeline. It has the history of Congress Party and it says about that Ahmedabad session, uh, I mean this uh, uh, summer session in 1921, I think that was also in Ahmedabad, that for the first time all chairs, the all chairs and tables, round tables, podiums were all removed and it's in its place tents came into existence. It's extremely symbolic. When you have a table, a round table, whatever, it signifies a culture of debate and dissent and argument. Only the Mahatma could sit in some, some place and start giving out his speeches as a saint. So after that, and who was the president of at that time? Chitranjan Das was the president, but the British had put him in jail just a few months back. So they got a dummy Muslim candidate and put him as the Congress president who ratified Gandhi's appointment as the virtual dictator of the Congress party. After that, that is when he became the supreme power. So after that, he was, I mean, how was Subhash was, he was duly elected, right? This happened in 1938, Bose, you know, expelling from the party. They call it res resignation, but it was expulsion, humiliation. How did that happen? Throughout its uh, entire history, once Gandhi became the de facto leader, he was doing backseat driving. So how will they not pass? A recent uh, rise in multicultural society in Europe, if in due course of time, and I hope I'm not being too far-fetched, if in due course of time, Europe falls or part of Europe falls to Islam. Part of? Part of Europe falls to Islam. It's already fallen. Then how should India respond and what? how will it in, in affect India? I don't think uh, it's any of India's concern at the moment uh, to bother about problems that other countries are facing. That's my personal take. Sandeep. Uh, since you come from that part of the country, uh, presumably South Karnataka or maybe North Kerala. Bangalore. Not, yeah, Bangalore. How come so many people died in Kerala, all Hindus, mm. right? And still Kerala either is it is Congress or LDF? That you have to ask. No, I'm asking Kerala you because I'm asking you because you would have some kind of an inkling into the psychology no, okay. of those. Uh, I'll answer this in a different way. Okay. Okay, you take the map of Kerala. You bisect it. Okay. Take Trishur as the center point. North of Trishur is completely green flags. South of Trishur is completely dominated by church. In between here and there, Hindus are scattered. Hindu vote is totally divided and the tragedy is that no matter what awakening, reawakening, no, no matter how many Shabri Malas, a significant section will still vote for the communist parties. My question was, uh, we see, I mean, there have been so many such incidents. This is just one of them. Uh, yet, and uh, this is just one of the incidents where Gandhi, of course, there is the DA Day uh, Calcutta killings and all there also where we see a replay of almost the same thing. Absolutely. Now, what do you make of the present government, which uh, is so to speak a Hindu nationalist government? Their mulish insistence, if I may put it that way, on continuing with the uh, aura of Gandhi. And if they do so, which way are we headed? 
Well, if they are, uh, look, it's very hard to read the mind of the present government, A, and uh, B, if they think it is some kind of a strategy or something, I'm unaware of it. And C, there is a real problem with, especially with regard to so-called minorities, is that unlike they have reached a kind of critical mass in some places, Western UP, for example, Bengal, Kerala, large parts of Tamil Nadu, entire villages in uh, South Tamil Nadu. So you are kind of having a modicum of stability and strength and whatever economic revival, whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't think you should risk by fanning these passions. No, but what I'm talking about is not about fanning passions. What I'm talking no, about is... the moment is you inject this kind of narrative, now look at it from the other perspective. From 2014 onwards till now, they couldn't get this government or this party, Mr. Modi, they couldn't get him politically. So what are they doing? Building false narratives and following it up with ground, ground uh, action. Now all this love jihad and you know, uh, beheadings of Hindus, you know, temple desecration, they are encroaching, they are attacking from this perspective, from on these fronts, which you cannot uh, combat politically, because law is a state and uh, state subject too. And if you touch it, no matter who, you know, these are criminals, yeah. So look at the state we've been reduced. So if you touch them, they will automatically create that narrative base is already set for 70 years automatically the blame is on the government, no matter who does it. No, but I'm not even talking about that. What I'm talking about is, uh, one thing is leaving things as it be, and one thing is feeding it more. Hmm. What I find is, uh, I mean, all these things sound like an explanation when you see actually the actions of the Modi government. Hmm. They are active, not just letting things be in status quo, they're actively feeding that narrative which works against Hindus. Mm -hmm. They're feeding the same system which is slowly working, edging out Hindus, whether on the economic uh, platform. Hmm. I do not find any policy of this government, and I'm being very honest here, mm -hmm. which actually... Uh, reinforces the Hindu's position in the slightest bit, in the slightest bit. So how do you explain that? I mean, that they're actually feeding them, like uh, the measures uh, that they are, uh, they're actually helping these sections more. So they're in a way actually acting the same way that Gandhi did. The only thing is that here it is a political establishment which is doing it. So even if they don't challenge it and don't start working against uh, Muslims, they cannot do that. It is not possible, as you rightly pointed out. But then uh, continuing it, perpetuating it, expanding it, and this is exactly what is BJP doing. So where are we heading? This is what my question was, because it is extremely upsetting when we hear these things. And I mean, we are all, uh, there are various sections of history we know very thoroughly and we know just how bad it was. Yet... Uh, absolutely. I mean, we are headed to a blind direction. Like someone just asked the question about what is happening in Europe. Uh, uh, I mean, it is bound to have some kind of a redounding uh, effect on India. We are just not prepared. Well, there's a lot of ground that you've covered. As far as the specific uh, grievances or, you know, policy stuff and furthering the same narrative and discourse that was set in uh, the last 70 years, yeah, yeah. 
last 70 years i have no comment on that but i can suggest something that this what you're saying cannot be solved politically there is no political solution to this there is a civilizational solution so civilization the the greater you are rooted in civilization uh, the greater you practice your civilizational ideals you will create a proportionate political leadership that will take care of this you can't tweak policy i mean you can tweak policies you can bring in some lobbies to represent whatever and things might change in the way that uh, we all want but modi government won't be permanent right some other guy will come it's a it's a game of numbers democracy some other guy will come and shoot it down in just one week then yeah. you have to find uh, civilizational solutions i have a question about terminology about about terminology so when it comes to 1857 uh, it is also called the sepoy mutiny and you know because of the triggering event and from the perspective and all that so how did what is the history behind this uh, coinage of the mopla rebellion i mean is there some history behind this building up of the narrative well i think uh, uh, again you have to blame the framers of our uh, history textbooks because it's the same case as with uh, calling tipu sultan as the freedom fighter the same operating principle works even in this case hindu lives don't matter might is right oppressor is benevolent so this is the uh, broad kind of operating principles behind all this mischief but the british also called it the mopla rebellions rebellion sorry that you know they were called mopla rebels by the british so that's why that name stuck but this part of the hindu genocide by the mopla muslims is almost completely buried or whitewashed or just mentioned in passing like you know a few people were killed the part about partition of india was being discussed and talked one demand was about mopalistan hmm. so you know pakistan as it came about there were also demand for pockets of hyderabad and bhopal and one big chunk they were asking was a muslim uh, pocket of mopalistan and the communists actually worked hard to promote mopalistan uh, this is somehow uh, you know gone uh, erased from our memory Uh, but the communist muslim alliance uh, was uh, also evident in this mopalistan oh yeah i mean uh, uh, not just mopalistan yeah you must read this uh, something called a position paper on pakistan was authored by an early communist leader called uh, gangadhar adhikari i think it's a 42 page document and all of us uh, must read it to understand exactly the kind of intellectual power if you want to call it intellectual but the kind of intellectual support the communists gave to the muslim league to help their demand for pakistan mopalistan was part of that it's covered in that later it came to be called as the adhikari thesis in the communist circles and one of the outcomes one of the many outcomes uh, of the adhikari thesis was the formation eventual formation of jnu 